What if I told you everything in life was just a series of games, wins and losses, all or nothing? Everything is about gaining a step on others, and that if we don't, our competitors will win all the glory. Is it really that straightforward? Today we look at elite all-boys schools, examining the intense competition within them and how it shapes a student's views on the world. Specifically, how the competition intertwined in their educational experiences affects their capacity to act on the world. So tune in today as we think about the question, is life just a big series of games? Welcome everyone to this episode of Redefining Masculinity. My name is Kevin. I'm a senior at Colby majoring in economics. I've been working on this project with Adam Howard for the past four years, and it's been a really big part of my college experience. I also went to an elite all-boys school and had a great six years there, which has made my time on this project really unique. I'm looking forward to having a great discussion with you all today. Hey everyone, I'm Ariman, a junior at Colby studying economics. I've recently joined this project, and for the past few months, I've been really impressed by the research Adam and his team have done. I come from a co-ed schooling background, so I've had a really fresh perspective on all-boys schools, and I'm also excited to have this conversation today. When looking at these all-boys schools, everything is viewed as a competition. This is something that I can attest to as an alumni and something I've seen through the research. The competition at these all-boys schools is unique in that there are these highly competitive environments which take all types of forms. Imagine viewing every part of your week at school as a part of a larger competition, whether that be academics, athletics, college admission, girls, everything. All aspects of your life are a competition. Wow, that's pretty intense. I mean, yeah, exactly. Essentially, viewing everything as a competition allows you to view things as a training exercise for honing your capacity to act in particular ways that are necessary for asserting power. Basically, by viewing everything as a competition, you're seeing everything as a smaller game within this larger game of life that you're trying to win. So you're developing this desire to control and impact your environment in order to win this larger game of life through winning these smaller games and competitions within your social and academic life. Right, and we've talked to a number of alumni who've grown up in these types of environments, and they speak to this point. Developing this edge to their approach and actions in social settings gives them not only the power to act in the world as they please, but also see the world constantly through a lens of competition. Yeah, so essentially you come to see the world as winners and losers, and you're going to do what it takes to become a winner. So that means impacting your social environment or space so that you win and as a result, others lose. Definitely. And I think at this point, it would be really helpful to get into an example of one of these competitive settings within the schools. I agree. Let's get into it. All right. I'll set the scene for you here. We're standing outside. It's our lunch break. And at our school, we have one main tradition that we do during our free time. And that is playing a game called Foursquare. Yes, Foursquare. Many of you have probably played this game in some form growing up. But if you're unfamiliar, Foursquare is set up as one large square split up to four smaller squares so that there is one player in each section. The goal is to eliminate other players from the first square all the way to the fourth square, and you do this by bouncing the ball back and forth between squares and trying to hit it hard enough so it's tough for the other player to bounce it back into play. The winner moves up in the ranks, and the loser moves to the end of the line. This game was a huge part of the school's culture. Each day they would come out and play the game that they viewed as sacred. It was a release from tension and the authority of the school. Here on the four-square court, guys played with their hearts, but more importantly, their own rules. 
They're able to compete amongst one another in this environment that they created for themselves that was separate from the school's rules. Right. Here, they weren't sanctioned by the school directly. They were able to be their natural selves and fend for themselves. In this environment, it was key to assert dominance in order to win. This environment was serving as a space to practice acting in a way that would be effective in asserting your power or dominance within the social environment. I think it's also important to acknowledge that although it wasn't sanctioned by the school per se, it was definitely embraced and acknowledged. The school sort of looked at this game and four squares as a whole as this practice ground for larger games within life, this larger concept that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, of course. The school knew of the game and supported it through setting aside time for it because they believed in developing this agency in the students. But I'll pass it back to you as we start looking at the rules that they played by. Yeah, when we're looking at the rules, it's not necessarily the rules of Foursquare, but more so the rules that the, that the students made up that were sort of mimicking this competitive social environment. And one of the biggest rules was don't be a dick. Essentially, be a good dude. Collectively, everyone put things aside here. That might seem like common sense, but it's really just practicing their ability to act within a dynamic social environment with other competitive boys. So becoming comfortable within this competitive social environment. The fact that they needed to have this rule sort of speaks to the fact that things typically get a bit chippy, uh, and this rule sort of allowed them to re-control the environment if things were to go astray. So if things weren't going their way, they could regain control of the situation just by saying, don't be a dick. Right. Now let's talk about another rule that we thought was interesting, which was ball doesn't lie. Now this alludes to this idea that as a collective, they've created a set of rules that are unwavering and so strong that every individual's feeling of being controlled of the game would only get stronger. But it also spread throughout the guys' lives outside of the game. For instance, if something didn't go your way throughout the day, just recalling the rule ball doesn't lie and applying it almost like a mantra provided you with the credibility that you might need to gain an edge in this setting. So essentially, if you're just going through your day and something's not really going your way, you can sort of just make up this rule, you know, ball doesn't lie, and sort of regain control of the situation, even though that might not actually be the case, which is pretty empowering if you think about it. All right, Ari, why do you think this is significant, these boys making up their own rules? Well, to me, it seems like there's a pattern of controlling the situation in order to win. You know, practicing, embracing this competition really allowed these boys to develop their capacity to act. So in a nutshell, this game of Foursquare and all the rules that went into it were all just training. I think that's really the essence of this story, right? The practice and demonstrating your power is not something that you're typically born with, right? So it's something that's developed socially. Uh, and at these all-boys schools, they make sure that it's developed through this competition more than anything else. Since these competitive situations are so frequently practiced and the boys are always in these environments, they not only become comfortable with this environment, but they embrace it. As a result, they see the world through this binary lens of competition. So you're either a winner or you're a loser, and they really want to be winners. And that undoubtedly carries into their life past high school. Yeah, so these boys are doing what it takes to be the one who's controlling the situation, to be the one that has the power. And with these schools, that's really the name of the game. Exactly. They're going to carry these exact same attitudes and practices once they graduate in a few months. Now, it was really surprising for me to look at elite all-boys schools in this way because it's safe to say my experience with Foursquare was very different. We also played recess games like Foursquare, but they were not something we took really seriously. And since we didn't, didn't view them as a competition the same way they did at all-boys schools, it didn't really have an effect on how we acted. 
Interesting. So we consult sociologist Laura Ahern. She says that your capacity to act is not a synonym for free will. She says that all action is social culturally mediated, meaning how you interact with your social environment either limits or builds your agency. In another sense, your agency will impact your ability to act on your social environment. So in this sense, if we look at Ahern's view of all action being socio-culturally mediated, we can think about what affects people's actions at all-boys schools. And it becomes clear to us that factors that may play a role in other settings, such as the desire to impress girls, for example, wasn't really a factor at these schools. Exactly. What mediated action at all-boys schools was competition, nothing else. No matter what you were doing, you were trying to be the best and you are trying to win. You were viewing everything as a game. So when others might see the validation of girls as an influence on your actions, we saw winning as a sole influence. We didn't really care about how the action was perceived by anybody per se, more so the outcome. The outcome was viewed as binary. Definitely. I mean, I think this one game speaks volumes about how competition was a central part of these guys' experience at all boys' schools. The game was never just a game. It fueled that drive for success, and even as a collective of brothers, the four-square court was still a space motivated by wins and losses, and not just fun and smiles. Personally, having been in these types of environments, uh, I think it's extremely important to have competition due to the fact that it simulates life after education. Uh, Think about whether you're trying to convince someone of an idea or sorting out a disagreement or just achieving a a goal that you have in mind. You want to be successful and you want to win. Um, I will say that in many respects it opens the door to a lot of bad things like being overly competitive, Uh, in tearing others down for self-advancement. Ultimately, though, I think that competition uh, is an overwhelming positive and it makes you results-driven, which I view as a positive trait. Interesting. So what do you think are some of the negatives from this competition? Well, like I said, I think it's overwhelmingly positive, but some of the things that can definitely arise are like types of like bullying or just like this over-competition. Um, certain people are naturally more comfortable in competitive environments, uh, and those who might not be can sort of be weeded out, um, which in many respects presented itself in the data uh, in that this is not a space for everyone. Um, but for those who are comfortable within these competitive environments, I think it's a place they really thrive, uh, whereas those who aren't don't thrive. Yeah, I can see why competition can be beneficial in some respects, but having this conversation and through our research, we can see that viewing everything as a competition is just not healthy. It really creates a cutthroat environment around everything that these guys do, and it's a mindset that they can't really escape. It sort of creates problems when competition isn't necessary, and in those situations, it can actually hurt relationships and negatively impact others, which was clear in our research and is definitely a major takeaway. Yeah, exactly. Think about when you're working with somebody that's hyper-competitive and how unenjoyable it is to work with them. I think that in many respects, having that competitive spirit can be very beneficial to group work and working alongside somebody. But in situations where competition isn't necessary, it can be detrimental to, to progress in relationships. All right, Kevin. So we've had this conversation about competition and how these boys develop agency at their schools, but why should anyone really care? It seems like it's just a small number of boys that are developing this agency. I think it's important to tie this research together by putting everything into perspective. Although these schools are graduating less alumni than other schools within the U.S., they're graduating leaders at a disproportionate rate within our society. We, sh- we should want our leaders to have a healthy leadership style that advances everyone. 
So again, although these alumni are, sm- are a small percentage of people within the U.S., they do hold a lot of power, which is exactly why we should care. Definitely. I feel like I've come away from this conversation with a much better understanding about elite all-boys schools and how competition at their schools kind of shapes their capacity to act on the world. Likewise, Ari, I really enjoyed this conversation with you. And again, I feel like I've come away with a better understanding of you know agency uh, and all-boys schools alike. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to check out the larger project that we've been working on called Privileged Brotherhoods by Adam Howard at privilegebrotherhoods.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.